There you go, Tori, could you take it? <laughs> Softball su- sign-up Sunday. Boy, I tell you, yeah, he's taking over. Well, welcome. Um, I'm glad you're here. I want to get into the Word. I really uh, uh, am excited about uh, what I'm going to be preaching on and uh, actually beginning of a series on the person of Jesus. And we've looked at <clears throat> several different things over the course of the last uh, few months. Spent some time looking at kingdom finance. How many remember that? Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, also, uh, just this last few weeks, looked at different pathways that we can go to God. But the, the, the genesis of the idea for what I'm going to be teaching on over the next several weeks is... Um, less about me or us and more about Him. Alright, more about Jesus. And if you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read it. Uh, It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In the uh, New American Standard Bible, um, it uh, translates that phrase, looking unto Jesus, a little differently, I like it. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let's fix our, pick something in the room. Let's everybody fix our eyes on the nursery call monitor. <clears throat> 184. It is the code. What code? What is it a code for? Which one? Do we know? Eh, some kid. The parents of 184, please go to nursery. (laughs) Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter uh, of our faith. In uh, the New Living Translation, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to to the life and faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. So how do we run the race? How do we get rid of the weight that uh, weighs us down or avoid sin that trips us up? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. Everybody say champion. champion. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So the idea is looking at Jesus. And so we want to take the next several weeks and look at several uh, roles that Jesus or titles of Jesus or the really roles that Jesus fulfills. Uh, These are just attributes of his character, but more really uh, uh, positions that he holds. And more than that, though, we want to look at our relationship to Jesus in these various roles. Um, 
Uh, Clark's commentary, Clark is a, a, a commentator. I think he lived about 100, 150 years ago. I don't know. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> it was great. I, I, I like Clark. I don't like everything he says, but his commentary on this uh, uh, really, really grabbed me. Um, well, actually, uh, let me. It says, looking off, this is uh, his commentary on the phrase, looking unto Jesus. And the meaning of the Greek uh, word that's used there says, looking off and on, or from and to. Okay, so there's an idea that, you know, when we looked at the nursery monitor, by implication, we turned our eyes away from the door, right? Or from the sound booth. So we're looking off of that onto something else. And so there's this idea of looking away from something and unto something else. Looking off or from the world and all secular concerns to Jesus... So we're looking away from the world and all secular concerns to Jesus and all the spiritual and heavenly things connected with Him. Isn't that good? Okay, this is an allusion, he says, to the Grecian games, the Greek games that we call the Olympic games. Those who ran were to keep their eyes fixed on the mark of the prize. They must keep the goal in view. And so this exhortation implies two things. One, that they, they should place all their hope and confidence in Christ. What does it mean to look unto Jesus? It means we place all our hope and confidence in Christ as our sole helper in this race of faith. He's our sole helper, not our, our only helper. Okay, S-O-L-E, not S-O-U-L. Our only helper, the one who helps us because our eyes are fixed on Him. It's like a, a runner who's who's running a race, and his eyes is, are, his eyes are fixed on the goal, on the finish line, and he's focused on that. You know, uh, <clears throat> not much of an athlete. <laughs> Some of you can tell, <laughs> but I read about athletes, <laughs> and uh, and there's this there's this actual there's this, there's studies that uh, uh, champion athletes, athletes that excel actually have the ability to uh, play through in their mind every detail. And so there's a, they, 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 they visualize or they mentally um, <clears throat> practice the, whatever there is, whether it's a golf swing or a basketball shoot or you know, throwing a football, whatever sport they're in, they, they, they see it before they do it. All right. They 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 understand it. They they meditate on that. And in this sense, you know, we see we're we're to see Jesus. We're to keep our eyes. We're have we're to have that mental or spiritual, that inward focus on the person of Jesus Christ. The second point that uh, Clark brings out of this is that they should consider him their leader. That's why it's called champion translated champion in this contest and imitate his example. You know, it's not just that he's the coach on the sideline telling us to run faster. He's out there running ahead of us. All right? Got it? He's run the race. 
And we're just following Him. And so if we follow Him, keep our eyes fixed on Him, we'll go wherever He goes. Paul talks about this same idea about keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus in 2 Corinthians 3.18. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 2 Corinthians 3.18 from the New King James, it says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm not going to get into the context here, but the idea here is that uh, uh, you know Moses' face was transformed when we beheld the glory of, of God, but that was temporary. But we in the New Testament behold Jesus, and it says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So let me just share a little commentary on, on that, that phrase, beholding uh, as in a mirror or beholding in a glass. And it comes from this Greek phrase that means to look, I look, and properly conveys the sense. It means against and look, to look against. And it conveys the sense of looking in a mirror or, or dis, discerning by reflected light. Now listen to this. Now as mirrors among the Jews, Greeks, and Romans were made of highly polished metal, uh, it would often happen, especially in strong light, that the face would be greatly illuminated by this strongly reflected light. I should have had a mirror. You know what I'm talking about? If I had a mirror here, my face would be lit up. Does that make sense? Everybody say amen. amen. Are you with me? All right. Anybody got a mirror? The face would be greatly illuminated by this strongly... And so imagine, you know, if, if someone was... was out, in, in, a, in a shadowy area, but it was reflecting the sun. And so their face would actually, and you were standing here, you wouldn't see what was in the mirror, but you'd see their face all illuminated. Right? Well, that's the picture, okay? That um, <clears throat> the face would be greatly illuminated by the strongly reflected light. And to this circumstance, the apostle seems to uh, be alluding so listen by earnest contemplation uh, uh, by earnestly contemplating the gospel of Jesus and believing on him who is the author the soul becomes illuminated with his divine splendor for the sacred mirror reflects back on the believing soul the image of him whose perfection it exhibits and thus we see the glorious form after which our minds are to be fashioned and by believing and receiving the influence of the Spirit, our forms, our form is changed into the same image which we behold there, which is the image of God. Lost by our, our fall and now, listen, recovered and restored by Jesus Christ. For the shining of the face of God upon us um, through Christ is the cause of our transformation into the divine image. <laughs> Maybe it's just the intellectual pathway in me, but that sounds like poetry to me, okay? <laughs> All right? Because that's it. When we, when we behold that glory being reflected, it's when we, when we intently, by earnestly contemplating the message of Christ and the person of Christ, it's in that transaction, it's in that uh, experience that we are actually transformed. Simply put, we become like whatever we behold. 
you become more like whatever you look at. All right. And uh, the media understands that and marketers understand that. And uh, I don't remember how many uh, images we are uh, exposed to as Americans every day, but it's like thousands of images, billboards, TV images, magazine articles. Everything is constantly uh, conveying (coughs) image, 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 image. Average American, I just read this. Uh, the amount of time they spend watching television has increased from four to just over five hours a day. Serious. Four, uh, 5.2 or 5.3 hours. It was four and a half or so. Uh, which surprised um, the pollsters because they thought they'd be spending more time on the Internet and other activities. But I think so many people are unemployed, they've got nothing else to do. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Average American spends five and a, over five hours a day exposing themselves to images that are selected by people that want you to buy stuff. All right? Think about it. <clears throat> we become whatever we behold. The more we look at Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. Uh, it says this same idea. Uh, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he's, the next day, and this is in John chapter 1, verse 29, says uh, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. And what did he say? Do you remember? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know that when he said behold, it wasn't behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. All right? <clears throat> it wasn't. It was a. Uh, it was an imperative action. Behold! Look! You know? It's like somebody saying, look, look, look over there. Look, there's an eagle. You know? And, and there's a command. There's a command, an excited command, an imperative. You have to look. Look, look, look. Behold, take a look. You know, there's this uh, command coming out of John. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And uh, we're to look. And so these next couple of weeks, we want to look with that same imperativeness, the same uh, command sense of trying to get an image or get uh, uh, an actual vision of who Jesus are so that we can be transformed. The first aspect of Jesus we're going to look at today is Jesus, my Savior. I really think that today's uh, worship was um, and doing communion ties in perfectly. And the verse we're going to use is Luke chapter 2, verse 11. If you want, you can turn to that in the Bible. It says, very real short verse, usually read uh, around the time of Christmas. It says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David, what? A Savior. Who is Christ the Lord? Well, this word Savior is very significant. It's a Greek word. Um, I don't know how to pronounce uh, Greek, but it's soter or sotar. Uh, and it literally means a deliverer. And it's from another Greek word, which you should be familiar. There's a few Greek words uh, and Hebrew words you should kind of get, get to know. Uh, and we normally say it uh, as sozo, 
It's, uh, I think it's pronounced more like uh, sodezo, <coughs> um, but sozo, which is the word for s- save or salvation. Um, and it means uh, to save, to deliver, to protect. Everybody say protect. Yeah, literal, literally or figuratively. It also means to heal, to preserve, to save. To make whole. Look! The Lamb of God! Our Savior today is born unto you. So, so to a Savior, one who delivers, one who makes and keeps you safe. One who makes you whole. Again, from a commentary, it says, <clears throat> a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Um, it means a Savior to make safe, to deliver, to preserve, to make alive. How's that for a, How's that? The angel declared, Jesus, today is born to you. The one who come to make you alive. How many want to be alive? Amen. He wants to be alive. He stood up. All right. Be alive. <clears throat> it's used in a <clears throat> it's used by the Septuagint, which is um a translation of the Old Testament. Uh to cause to escape, to confide in, uh, by word uh, that's described this way, to cause to escape. So Jesus' Savior is the one who comes to cause or to enable us to escape. It also means to confide in. We can have confidence. We can confide in. To hope. The word properly denotes a Savior as perfectly frees us from all evil and danger and is the author of perpetual salvation. Perfectly saves us from all evil and danger and is the author of perpetual. That means it never ends. Salvation that doesn't run out. Protection, safety that doesn't run out. Kings were anointed. This is another part of the commentary talking about the anointing. Uh, Christ, <coughs> translated Christ, uh, involves the aspect of, of the anointing. It actually means, I'll get into this, uh, the anointed one. Um, kings were inaugurated with anointing uh, by oil um, <coughs> as well as prophets and priests. In the Old covenant there were three offices that were anointed people were put into that office through anointing of oil prophets priests and kings all right <clears throat> so when somebody became a king uh, they would be anointed and they would that would make them king if someone became a priest they would be anointed with oil that would make them a priest before the anointing they weren't a priest once they were anointing they were a priest they fulfilled that role and uh, prophet, priests, and prophets also, <clears throat> same thing. They were anointed with oil. And in that act, 
there was a sanctioning, there was an authority placed on them. And so prophet, priests, and kings. And uh, the commentator uh, says two of these offices exist uh, in all civilized nations. Um, um, in some countries, priests and kings are still consecrated by oil. In the Hebrew language, <coughs> and forgive me if uh, someone knows Hebrew can say this better, Meshach signifies to anoint. And ha let me see, Hamashaik, the anointed person. So there's a different uh, phrase used here. It says, But as no man was ever dignified by holding three offices, so no person ever had the title Hamashaik. Okay? The anointed one. That's used here. All right? But Jesus the Christ. Listen, he alone is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the King who governs the universe and rules in the hearts of His followers, the prophet to instruct men in the way wherein they should go, and the great High Priest to make atonement for their sins. Prophet, priest, and king. Hence, He is called the Messiah, which is a form of the word ha uh, the Anointed One in Hebrew, which gives birth to the term Christos, which is Greek. <coughs> which has precisely the same significance in the Greek language. Listen, of him Melchizedek, Abraham, Aaron, David, and others were illustrious types, but none of these had the title the Messiah or the anointed of God. This does and ever will belong exclusively to Jesus the Christ. He is the Messiah. Does that sound good? I get excited by this. Jesus describes his own mission when he stood up in the temple or in the synagogue to read. He was asked to read a portion of scripture and turns to a portion of Isaiah and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has Christos. Yeah, anointed. Anointed. Christ. <clears throat> Christos. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom, release uh, to the captives and recovery of sight, healing uh, to the blind and to set at liberty, freedom to those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So as uh, Savior, Jesus is the one who delivers us. All right. Jesus is the one who makes us safe. Jesus is the one who protects us and heals us. Jesus is the one who perfectly frees us from all evil and danger and is the author of perpetual salvation. He, Jesus, sets us free. Jesus gives us sight. Jesus releases us from oppression of every form. Whatever oppression... Whatever blindness, whatever uh, uh, limitation that you have. Listen, I, I know many of your lives and I know life because I live one. <laughs> and there's all forms of oppression and uh, sickness and the curse and struggles that we fight against. Jesus is the one. He's my Savior. He's personally involved. No one else shares that title. The Savior, the Anointed One. Only Jesus can truly make us free. 
He alone has the authority and the power to deal not only with the symptoms of bondage, our bondage and uh, oppression and our sin, but the root causes of it. Alright? He has the authority. He has the power. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the king. He can come and not just uh, uh, relieve us of a symptom, but He can heal us of the root cause. Another tra- uh, commentator uh, translates a Savior to you today is born a Savior. Not one who shall become Savior, but born a Savior. This is so important. You've got to get a hold of this idea. All right, Jesus didn't come to become a Savior. He Today is born to you a Savior. He was born a Savior. All right, so what does this mean? What's the significance of this? <laughs> it's big. <clears throat> it's not just what Jesus did that makes Him our Savior. It's who He is. Alright? And His identity, who He is, will never change. It's who He's always been and always will be. His role or His office or the effect of His salvation is based not merely in what He did. And what He did was important, dying on the cross. But it, He was born a Savior. It's tied to His identity. Our salvation, And so that means your salvation, my salvation, your personal freedom, my personal freedom is eternally bound yeah, to Jesus' nature. Okay? That's it. That's the idea. Alright? So if you need freedom, and we all need freedom from something, and listen, there's 150,000 people within 20 minutes of where you're sitting right now who need freedom from something, from many things. And where is that freedom to be found? It's in the person of Jesus Christ, born a Savior. Alright? Do you get it? Oh! Everything good, everything free, everything whole, everything pure. That we can and do experience is rooted in and only in the nature of Christ. Jesus, our Savior. In His person. Okay? He is the ultimate. You know, everything good that we experience is just an expression of His love for us and His act of redeeming me and saving me that I can enter in the redemption. He is the, he is the one who sets us free. He's the one who makes us whole. He's the one who heals us. He's called the great physician. He heals us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's not just what He does. It's who He is. We can experience healing now in all those areas through our relationship with Him. And we will experience healing in all those areas completely as we are united with Him eternally without <clears throat> you know, the separation of mortality once we get into His presence whole. Others can offer some freedom, some wholeness, some healing. Sometimes... Uh, you can get some healing apart from Christ. Some people have issues and I say, you know, I think you need to just go see a psychologist. You know, there's secular resources that, you know, especially for people that aren't living Christ, not pursuing Christ, they're disconnected and they got some major life issue. 
I'm like, it's okay. Go get some regular counseling. <laughs> go to a doctor, you know, get some medicine. It's okay. That can heal. There's a measure of that. There's a measure of healing <clears throat> that can be used that other people can affect into your life that's used by Him. In other words, God may send someone into your life and through that individual or through that resource, you experience some healing. All right? I'm not saying that there isn't help from other sources. What I'm saying is that only He can offer complete sozo, salvation, that completely frees us from the influence of Satan and sin and sickness. Only He can offer that perpetual salvation, true and eternal freedom, wholeness and health. And it's in having a personal relationship with Him, with Jesus, that we experience that salvation. We need to see Him, say personally. Say personally. We need to see Jesus personally intervening in our lives. And behold! I'm like, wow, I saw Jesus. Well, you know, some people hyper-spiritualize it and think you have to have a vision. And it's great to have visions. I've had visions. Okay? Visions are kind of scary, actually. <laughs> it's great not to have visions, too, okay? <laughs> you have them, it's like, well, I don't know if I want to have another one of those. All right? Now get your attention. But that's not, just, that's not the only way. That's not even the best way. That's just a way. You need to see Jesus in your life every day. All right, and this, this I'm going to end with this. <clears throat> Jesus has to become not only the Messiah, He has to become my Messiah. Jesus has to become not just the Savior, He has to become my Savior. All right? Jesus doesn't, you know, in order to benefit from Jesus' role and office and ability to, to heal and set free and deliver and all those good things I talked about, He can't just be the Savior. He has to be your Savior. All right? There must come a point at which you fix your eyes upon Jesus and He becomes your champion and you turn away from all the other sources and distractions and leaders in this life and, and focus and fix your eyes only onto Him where you can actually see Him and you see Him lead you through the issues of your life to navigate you to the place of deliverance and healing and life. Alright? How does that happen? It happens in your heart. Whosoever believes and confesses shall be saved. Alright? Shall enter into that sozo. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, says in Romans. So there's a heart belief. You really believe it. You know what believe means? It means you believe it. <laughs> you don't doubt it. 
It's not a possibility, it's a certainty. Okay? That God raised Jesus from the dead. What's the next step? And that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is my Lord. You enter in to the sozo. He becomes your sotor. He becomes your Savior. Jesus is my Savior, not just the Savior. He is the Savior, but more than that, He's my Savior. And I hope you can say that. Alright? Can you say He's my Savior? Let's say it all loud, like you mean it. On three, one, two, three. He's my Savior! Amen. Sarah's going to come do some announcements. Woo!